Good morning. Today is Wednesday, October 28, 2020. Imagine how close Avraham was with his nephew Lot. At the end of last week's Parsha, at the end of the Parsha of Noah, we learned that Lot's father had died early in his life. And we discussed on Thursday night the circumstances of the death of Lot's father, and if you keep that in mind, but just the idea that Lot had this nephew whose own father was no longer alive, and clearly Abraham uh, took over kind of a mentoring fatherly role, and you see how close they were in the beginning of our Parsha, when Abraham and Sarah start this momentous, historic journey of Lech Lecha, of leaving their home. And again, they're leaving forever. They're never coming back. They're starting something completely new and they don't even know exactly what it is that they're going to be doing or where they're going to be going at that moment until Hashem tells them. And Lot accompanies them. It's interesting. The three of them go together. That obvious closeness makes a narrative near the beginning of our Parsha even more poignant. So the Torah says as follows. The Torah says that the three of them were in Israel. At that time it was called Canaan. And they developed flocks and they uh, uh, increased their possessions there. And the Torah says, Lot had his own shepherds and flocks and tents, just as Avraham had his shepherds and flocks and tents. And then the Torah says, Vlonasa osam haaretz lasheves yaktav the land could not hold both of them. Because their wealth, the wealth of each of them had increased so much, they were no longer able to remain together. And so, the Torah then says, there was a, an argument between the shepherds of Avram and the shepherds of Lot, and then finally, Avram said to Lot, let's not argue. We need to separate. You go your way. I'll go my way. And we'll separate into different places. Lot agrees. Lot decides to go towards the area of Sodom, which at that time was very fertile. And we know what happens to Lot in Sodom. First of all, what happens to Lot in Sodom in our Parsha, where he gets into trouble and Avram comes to rescue him. And then in next week's Parsha, much more dramatically, Lot is there at the time that Sodom is destroyed and he has to run away. And we don't find any further rejoining or reconciliation between Avram and Lot 
within the text of the Torah. It is a split that continues for centuries. I've pointed this out before in the name of, I've quoted others who have said this, until Rus, until Ruth, who is from the nation of Moab, who is a descendant of Lot, comes back and rejoins the Jewish people in a certain sense centuries later. That is a reunification of Lot and Avram. They could not dwell together. There was a strife. There was an argument between the shepherds of Avram and the shepherds of Lot. What was the argument about? Rashi explains. Rashi says that the argument was about where Lot allowed his animals to graze and pasture. Lot allowed his shepherds to take his animals to graze in any other field. Avraham's shepherds were upset with that because the fields did not belong to Lot. And to allow, for me to allow my animals to graze in your field, that's stealing. It doesn't belong to me. It's taking away something of value and it's stealing. So the shepherds of Avram were angry with the shepherds of Lot because what the shepherds of Lot were, were doing was wrong, allowing their animals to shepherd in lands that did not belong to them. Lot's shepherds had a counter-argument. Lot's shepherds said, Listen, God promised this land to Avram. So even though it does not belong to Avram right now, it will belong to Avram, and therefore it is going to be ours, so we have a right to use it now, even though it, it has not actually formally been transferred to our ownership, but it will be our ownership. And therefore, it's okay. <clears throat> All right. You could say that this dispute between the shepherds of Avram and the shepherds of Lot was a dispute about how to understand Jewish law. It's a dispute about halacha. Does Jewish law give me the right to use a field that I am going to inherit before I actually inherit it? Or do I only have that right once it comes into my possession? Okay, that's an argument in Jewish law. You can make your argument. You could try to bring proofs. We could decide who, who is right and who is wrong. But it's an argument about a detail, how to decide a question in Jewish law. But Rav Dessler, one of the great scholars of the early 1900s, writes that this is a classic example of a very serious phenomenon. And it's something that is so applicable to us and something we have to guard so much against. He says, often a dispute will start out as a matter of principle. We're arguing about something. And it's a principle. It's 
What does Jewish law say? What is the right thing? It's a principled argument. There's nothing wrong with that. Our sages tell us, a dispute for the sake of heaven, a dispute about matters of principle, that is a, a, a perfectly legitimate a perfectly legitimate thing. There's nothing wrong with that. We should vigorously disagree in order to figure out matters of principle, matters of law, matters of morality. The problem is, sometimes a dispute starts out being about principle and then it deteriorates into matters that are personal. And that's part of human nature. You're arguing about something, it could be about the most lofty subject. Sometimes it stays like that. That's how it should be. But sometimes it deteriorates. It becomes personal. People start to call each other names. People start to make it about personalities and not the principle. And then it becomes an ugly personal dispute. It becomes something that destroys. It becomes something that is no longer about principle. And this is so relevant because, you know, if you look at Machlokas, you look at arguments that exist, some of them, many of them, start about nothing. Even if you try to remember what it was originally about, you can't even remember. And sometimes a Machlokas will start about something that is base or trivial or personal. But other times, and we should be able to recognize it in our own lives, other times a machlokus will start over an issue of principle. And then it deteriorates into something that is personal. And what Rav Dessler is teaching us, based on this line, this passage, is that such a machlokus is just as destructive to a family, to a community, even to a nation, as a machlokas that begins as a base and personal argument. Let me show you this in a very dramatic way, based on one word in a pusik in this passage. So one more time, the pusik says as follows: Vihiriv ben roe mikne Avram uben roe mikne Lot. There was a dispute, an argument, a machlokas between the shepherds of Avram and the shepherds of Lot, and the people of Canaan and the people of Priz, the Canaanites and the Perizzites, they were then living in the land. Now, that last part of the Pesach doesn't seem to have any connection. We're talking about a dispute between Avram and Lot. And like out of nowhere, the Torah says the people of Canaan were living there. Well, first of all, we know the people of Canaan were living there. It was called the land of Canaan. We know the Prezi were living there because they were one of the nations that were living in Canaan. By the way, the same phrase, Haknani Vaprizi, Yosheh Baaretz, the same phrase that these two nations were living there, that had been stated just a little bit earlier. Of course they were there. That's where they lived. What has that got to do with the dispute? 
between Avram and Lot. It seems like a, a, a phrase, a part of a verse that is completely in the wrong place. It was a great scholar, Yoshua Ibn Shaub. He lived in the 13th century. He was a student of the Rashba, one of the great Spanish medieval commentators. And he explains this strange phrase, strange location of this phrase, by quoting a, an aphorism, an aphorism from the Talmud. The Talmud says, Tigra bin Achia, when brothers fight, Messias bin Nuhraya, strangers rejoice. When there is a machlokes between Jews, it unites and strengthens and encourages our enemy. The effect that machlokes has when there is a dispute between members of a family, a community, a nation, anywhere within the Jewish people, once it deteriorates into something that is base and personal, that strengthens our enemies. The Pasuk means to say, There was an argument between the shepherds, <coughs> excuse me, the shepherds of Avram and the shepherds of Lot. And then, Oz, then, meaning because of that, the Knani and the Prizi were strong and stable living in that land. The reason that other nations were able to uh, uh, safely and securely stay in the land of Israel, even though it had been promised to Avram, is because of the Machlokas between Avram and Lot. And we see this repeatedly throughout Jewish history. And we see it today more than ever. It's such an important lesson for every single one of us. <clears throat> Almost always, machlokes is the wrong path. Even when it's for the right reason. And if we do have a dispute, that is over principle, that is over a matter of Jewish law, that is over an issue of morality, that is permissible to argue about. We have to be so careful to guard that it does not deteriorate into a matter of personality and venom. Even Avram is held accountable for allowing the lofty dispute in a matter of Jewish law to deteriorate to something that became personal between himself and Lot. And as a result of that, the only option was for the two of them to separate. It's something we have to remember every single day. Machlokas is almost never the right way. And when it starts out lofty, it's got to stay lofty. Because human nature is to try to take it down. My friends, I wish you a great day, a peaceful day. And I look forward to seeing all of you soon in